And so we are in this constant battle, if you will, spiritually. And the, it's important that we are reminded and, or learn, if, if you it's for the first time, about how our enemy operates. Because in, to be successful in a war, you have to know your enemy. You have to know how they operate and move and so that you can counter that and, and have that. When you have that knowledge, you have much stronger opportunity to be successful or be victorious in this war. And so tonight we want to look at the word of the Lord and see what God has to speak to all of our hearts regarding knowing our enemy. I'm going to look at Mark chapter 9. I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Then the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers were growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. So, as we read, this is a story about a father who has a, a child that is under the control of an evil spirit and has been under that control for many years. Now, I'm sure that this father in the past brought his son to the synagogue and, to, and asked the rabbi to help them. 
to pray over them, son, to cast out the demons. I'm sure this was not the first time that he went to somebody for help. Uh, but obviously, he had not been able to get that help from the rabbis or, or any help in the synagogue because years have passed by with his child still under this demonic control. And so now, desperate for help, he brings his son to Jesus. But Jesus has been up on the mountain with a, a couple of the disciples. And so he, he looks to the disciples because by now word has gotten around that it's not just Jesus that is healing and casting out evil spirits, but the disciples are doing that as well. And so he brings them to him, to, to them, and asks them to heal his son. Here's the first thought I want to leave with you regarding this uh, text. And that is that desperate people will come out and ask for our help. Desperate people will come to us for help. Now, by, de by definition, when I'm talking about desperate, I'm talking about people that have a great need, as this father had a great need for his son. And I believe more than ever before that we are living in extreme times. And again, by extreme, I'm talking about uh, times that are above the, new, the usual. I mean, I, I'm now 71 years old, and I, I just look at life, and, and in my lifetime, I have never seen uh, the, the spirit of evil prevailing the way it's prevailing today. Surely we are in extreme times where there's, there's extremism going on in our government, on politics. There's extremism going on in social media. Everywhere you look, we're, we're in such a state of extremism. And it's created a lot of desperation in people's lives. People having great needs. And I believe that it's going to continue to get extreme. I believe that uh, we are going to see a, a place where sin is going to continue to increase and increase. Uh, and I believe that God, as he begins to move, people are going to be drawn to where the spirit of God is moving. But people who have desperation in their hearts and in their lives, people who have an extreme situation, many great needs are going to come into this house. And the question is going to be, are we going to be able to help them? Are we going to be prepared for the people that God is going to send? Your church is not a place for the well. It is a place for the sick. Church is a place for the desperate, for the hurting. And there are times where if we're not careful, we can look for the well to come in because those that are desperate bring a whole lot of mess with them. And God wants to help people who are in desperate need. And he's going to draw them to this house. Are we going to be ready for that? See, because know thy enemy. This young boy was controlled by this spirit's, evil spirit all of his life and tried to kill him many times. But notice something about this evil spirit. The disciples who had cast out demons before couldn't cast it out. This was a different situation. This evil spirit that controlled the boy 
was not impacted by what the disciples said or did. Which is the second thought that I have for you today about especially knowing thy enemy. We need to be reminded and know that there are different levels of power in the enemy's camp. There are times where we are looking at people's lives and their, their life is a mess and we can pray and, and counsel them and we can see a dramatic turnaround in their life. But then there are times where we can take that exact same counsel to somebody else and be total failures and not see any change transforming in life. It's the same word. It's the same type of praying, but it's a different power that's at work. Some evil spirits are more powerful than others. And the more powerful the spirit is, the more it will be entrenched in a person's life. And that means that what we would normally do will not work, will not deliver. Now, listen, I'm not just talking about demon possession tonight. Uh, this, this just is a representation of the fact that there are things in people's lives that can be really entrenched. You know what a stronghold is? The Bible talks about strongholds. A stronghold is an aspect, an area of your life where the enemy is in control. It could be some passion that you have that you say, man, I've been able to break cigarette habits. I, I, I can, I, with no problem, God helped me to do that. I, I, God helped me to stop cursing. But man, I just can't seem to get away from that computer and pornography. That thing has such a grip in my life. It's a stronghold. And there are strongholds that are much more powerful than others. And that's why, by the way, we should never look down on anyone. Right? Uh, don't get into that place where because God has set you free, you think that now you've arrived in that place where you can judge your brother or your sister. Like, how, how come you're still smoking that cigarette? How come you can't get over that? How come you can't break that habit? Well, for you, that's not a stronghold, but it is in that person's life. And the truth of the matter is, if we're all honest, every single one of us in this room has a stronghold in our life. Some area where we know we are totally weak in, where we have, no matter how much we try, the enemy always seems to get a hand up on us in that area in our life. That's what a stronghold is. And this young boy had this stronghold in his life. And nothing that the father did helped. And nothing that the disciples did helped. Jesus came down from that mountain and saw a ruckus going on. An argument even developed. And, he, and the father told him, I brought my son to your disciples. And he couldn't cast it out. Later on, when after Jesus had cast it out, you see he's alone in the house with his disciples, and they asked him, why couldn't we cast out this demon? What was it, Jesus, that we did wrong? And why were you successful where we were not successful? Now, Matthew records Jesus saying this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus said, you didn't have enough faith. See, the cast out 
this kind of evil spirit required extreme faith. A faith above the norm or the usual, if I could use that word. And this is the third thought that I wanted to share with us tonight, and that is this. Listen, extreme times require extreme faith. If we are going to make a difference in people's lives, brothers and sisters, we're going to need extreme faith because we live in extreme times. The things that we are going to be encountering in people's lives, we're going to need, now you, got, you, you need to follow me on this. Because if my brother has an issue and asks me to pray, and I pray in the name of Jesus, and I can see God do a great deliverance in his life, praise the Lord. My sister may ask me to pray, and I may pray the same way and not see anything happen. And Jesus is saying, it's because you don't believe. Mm. Have you ever been in that place where you've been faced with the opportunity to pray over somebody, over a need that it is huge. And in your heart of heart, you know, no matter how I pray, nothing's going to happen here. This is big. Somebody's asking me to pray that God will heal them of cancer. I never prayed that before. I don't think I can do that and see that happen. Well, the disciples had cast out demons before, but they didn't realize that there are different levels of authority and power. And this time, the demon wasn't impressed with how they prayed. The demon wasn't moved or scared. And it took Jesus to cast out that demon. There are things that are going to be happening. People are going to come through these doors in our midst. Whether it's a Sunday, whether it's a prayer meeting, whether it's a youth meeting, and there are going to be some major needs in their life. And God wants to use every single one of us to bring deliverance in people's lives. The most common failure in the church is for the people of God to say, you need to bring him to the pastor. In other words, if we're all honest with ourselves, we think some way, somehow, the pastor has more power than I do to deal with that situation. That's above me. That's above my pay grade. Let the pastor handle that one. The issue is, you may have more faith than the pastor does. It's not about what level you are in the church as far as what your status is. It's about whether you have faith. And faith isn't dependent upon what your title is. It's dependent upon what you believe. And so all of a sudden now, I believe with all my heart that as these altars are going to be full on, some, on these meetings, when their prayer team comes up, when you're asked, hey, come and pray for somebody, most of us, if we're honest, we don't move out of our seat because I need to be up there to be prayed for. Like, oh, how am I going to be praying over somebody? And here's the thing that, that, that cries in my heart. I don't want somebody who has a desperate need to come into this building and walk out with that need. Can you imagine, what if Jesus had not come down from the mountain? If Jesus had not come down from the mountain, that father would have taken his son home. 
because the church, the disciples, had failed to cast out the evil spirit. Thank God Jesus came and delivered and set that boy free. But in Belmont, man, I, want, I don't want to see somebody walk out with something in their life that we, by the grace of God, can see them get deliverance from because we were at that place where we lacked extreme faith. Now, extreme faith has many forms. It takes many shapes. Let me give you just another example of what I believe is, is extreme faith. In 2 Kings in chapter 4, the prophet Elijah, as he went about traveling, came across a couple that knew who he was and said, every time Elijah comes, he's always looking for a place. So the wife convinced the husband, let's build a bedroom up on the second floor on our roof for Elijah so that when he comes, he'll have a place always to stay. And it blessed Elijah so much that ultimately he asked one day his, his assistant, Gehazi, what can we do for them? How can we bless them? And Gehazi said, well, you know, they have not been able to have any children. So Elijah prays over and prays the blessing upon the woman's life. And she comes out pregnant. And she has a son. But in the course of time, and we're not told how much time had happened, one day the boy cries out in the field, my head hurts. And he collapsed. And the father brings him to the mother. The mother takes him up to Elijah's bedroom, and there the boy dies. She calls her servant, get me a donkey, and she gets on the donkey, and she goes and she finds Elijah. She says, why did you bless me only to have me go through this and losing a son? Elijah hears her, looks at Gehazi, gives Gehazi his staff, and he says, run and go put my staff on the boy on the body of the boy. Gehazi takes off with the staff. He gets to the house, gets up to the second floor, looks in the bedroom, sees the body, lays Elijah's staff on, on the boy's body. Nothing happens. Elijah did what he'd always, probably always done in the past, believing that that would be sufficient. But it wasn't. When Elijah finally comes with the mom, he says, Gehazi, everything okay? Said, no, I did what you told me to do, but nothing happened. So we look at now verse 33 of 2 Kings chapter 4. He, meaning Elijah, went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched himself out again on the child. This time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Extreme faith. I did what I normally do. Here's my staff. Go lay on the boy. Remember, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the staff representing power and authority. And so Gehazi was carrying the power and authority that Elijah, the prophet of God, had been given by God to do signs and wonders and miracles. But 
this time laying the staff didn't do anything. So now Elijah gets into the house and he does something that quite honestly, according to the Jewish law, he was not allowed to do. He was not, according to the Jewish law, you're not allowed to touch a dead body, otherwise you become unclean. But now he gets in there and he goes in the room alone, he prays, and next thing you know, he's on that boy's body, mouth to mouth, hand to hand, and praying for God to do a miracle. Now the body grew warm, but the child didn't wake up still. So Elijah gets up and he starts walking around the room. I'm sure he was probably praying and asking God for this miracle. And then one more time, he goes on there. And this time, the boy sneezed seven times. I'm wondering if he sneezed right in Elijah's face. (laughs) That is powerful, extreme faith. A tremendous need. One that all of us in this room would probably say, he's gone. There's nothing that could be done. Have you ever seen a life where somebody is so far gone in their addiction or their situation and their their marriage is gone? It's over. Why keep praying? See, extreme faith doesn't give up. Extreme faith knows that there's a God in heaven that can breathe life where there's death. And extreme faith is willing to do the unorthodox in order to see God move. That's what I'm talking about here tonight. Extreme faith. Pastor Jason, if you can get the keyboard for me, please. You see, desperate people are going to come to us for help. And they're on different levels of power in the enemy's camp. And extreme times really requires extreme faith and I know you'll agree with me we want every single person that God brings into this house that needs help we want them to receive that help in the name of Jesus we want to see chains broken we want to see habits uh, broken in the name of Jesus we just want to see marriages restored we don't want to accept the status quo of what everybody else might say it's too late we're going to believe God for great things because he's a great God. Now, the issue is this. How can you and I get this extreme faith? Well, Jesus, Mark records, told his disciples, this kind comes out only by prayer. Now, it, Jesus wasn't talking about just saying a prayer in Jesus' name. He was talking about the fact that in order for you and I to build our faith to such a measure that we can handle these cases that are going to come our way, we need to be in our prayer closet. We need to be praying and asking God to fill us every single day with the power of the Holy Spirit and fresh faith so that no matter what we see, with these natural eyes, no matter what we hear with these natural ears, in our hearts, we will believe this kind will come out in the name of Jesus. 
because as uh, Paul wrote later on in Corinthians, that we have powerful weapons for pulling down strongholds. Now, powerful weapons is not emotionalism. Powerful weapons is not raising your voice higher. The devil is not afraid of people who scream. He's not afraid of people who tremble and go all, get all this emotional. But he is afraid of those who have been in their prayer closet spending time with God and walk around with the stamp of the Holy Spirit upon their life. Who are people who recognize this isn't about me. It's about the power of God flowing through me. And I believe that no matter what your situation is, it's not about whether I'm able, it's whether I believe God is able through me. Amen? Come on, stand with me tonight. We're talking tonight about extreme faith. And the moment that yeah, we'll sing a song to whatever Pastor Jason feels the Lord's leading him into. But how about a church? I want to see God move even more powerfully in our midst. How about you? But I don't want to be a spectator on the sidelines. I don't want to be a church where people think, well, only the prayer team could lay hands on people and see them recover. I don't want to be a church where we think that uh, God had reserved his power for a select few. I want us to be a church where we have young people laying hands on people and praying in the name of Jesus. I command you, come out of that person. I command that evil spirit to leave. I command that stronghold, that habit to be broken in Jesus' name and see that thing happen. I want to be a church where people come in and say, I, I don't need to get to the pastor because God is in their midst. And whoever I ask, what brother or sister I ask, we're going to agree together and we're going to see God do great things. The greater we have that happening, the more glory God will get. Because it won't be about one or two people. It'll be about the body of Christ moving as God intended it to move. Come on, if that's your heart's desire, can I encourage you right now just to lift up your hands with me right now and begin to call upon the name of the Lord tonight and say, God, fill me tonight, God. Fill me with your spirit tonight, afresh and anew, oh God. Fill me to the measure, oh God, that I will be drawn into my prayer closet.